The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to another segment of the Dr. Stam Show, another enlightening and empowering show that we have for you today. Memories, making peace with your buried memories. Memories, especially those that are buried, especially those that nobody else knows about, shape our lives if we don't talk about them and deal with them. Buried memories can actually help us or harm us, depending on how we deal with them. As Abraham Lincoln once said, most people are as happy as they allow themselves to be. I say this to show you that no matter how difficult your experiences are, no matter how deep your pain is, the power lies within you to make the most of your life. In trying to bridge the gap that is between our teenagers and the parents or the adults that is in their lives, which is what the Dr. Stem show is about, it is so important that we deal with our buried memories. Today we have a special guest who has allowed us to peek into her life. Her name is Katie Bears. She brings to light a revealing a revealing show and uh, information about sexual abuse, childhood, and struggles. Welcome, Miss Bears. Hi, thank you. How are you this afternoon? Doing very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, we're doing good. I just want to say before we even get into the story, I just want to welcome you and thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us today. Not a problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, just a little bit, let me just tell a little bit about who you are and why we get this opportunity to hear your story today. Katie Bears is actually, um, she just recently released a book, um, which is now a bestseller on the New York Times. Her book is called Buried Memories. Her story is a never-before-told story of survival, memory, and recovery. 
she was a profoundly neglected and abused child even before she was kidnapped on a long island um, in Long Island in the USA actually that was 20 years ago January 13th that she was abducted by a family friend who held her captive in an underground cell for 17 days and sexually abused her this book and what she'll talk about today will show us the smarts and the strength that it took for her to begin a new life. Katie is now married. She's a working mother, and she has revealed this inspiring story of torment and recovery to a TV reporter who actually helped her to write this book that she will talk about today. Now, Katie... Sexual abuse is a very, very taboo and difficult thing to talk about for almost everybody. Um, I don't know if you know much, but I'm a psychotherapist, so I work with people in counseling. And that's one of the things that is very difficult for people to bring to the surface to talk about. And I see that your book is all about bringing that to the surface. Why did you decide to write this book after 20 years? Um, when I originally decided that I wanted to write a book, it was shortly after I was abducted. So I was 10 years old. At that time, it was more or less to tell people exactly what had happened to me. There were so many rumors swirling mm. around about what had happened because I never spoke publicly. Yes. Then as I got older, it ended up becoming more of me wanting to help people I was looking back on my life and really saying, wow, my childhood was really messed up until I moved in with my foster family. And then I get this great foster family. I'm able to overcome the trauma that I had endured. And I ended up going on and living a somewhat so-called normal adult life. Hmm. And it's just so... It's unusual for that to happen with as yes. much happened to me as a child. Now, being that you were in the media for so long and, you know, your story was, you know, so publicized, did you have to change your name for those years that you lived with your foster parents? Um, I did not change my name at all. Um, the only change that I had made is my foster parents, and I decided that I wanted to get a perm. So I had curly hair instead of stick straight hair. Um, but no, I was my, the county DA, Suffolk County DA, um, yeah. and my parents really worked very hard on keeping me out of the media spotlight and almost making the media forget about me. Oh, wow. Well, they did a good job. Now, I noticed that you did write the book with a reporter, right? I did. Okay, why did you decide to write with the reporter? Um, I had decided to write the book with Carolyn because I had, well, first off, I was a, I was working full-time and didn't necessarily have the time to dedicate to writing the book myself. Yes. Um, and then Carolyn brought such insight into the book about not only what was going on, with me and things that I couldn't even remember or delve into as a child. But she also brought insight into what was going on in the outside world when I was being held into captivity. Um, I think that it just brings a nice, um, it's just nice how it's written in the two voices 
and goes back and forth so you could see not only what's going on with me but also what's going on in the outside world and how, to me, my world had stopped but the outside world kept going. Yeah, right. And her name is um, Carolyn Gustav, is it? Yes. Okay, just just to make sure that you know we give her the credit as well, yeah. um, because it, it it is a very well written book, and I think what I like about it is it opens up the communication, the dialogue as well for those that have experienced what you went through, as well as if they are going through what you went through right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you said you were ten years old. Yes, it was. I was abducted two days before my tenth birthday. Hmm. And, you know, because the reason why I'm asking is because this show we talk about, you know, by the time that you get to be a teenager with a background like yours, with an experience like those, how was it for you as a teenager? Um, It actually, I had gone through, before I even hit my teenage years, from the time that I entered into foster care, I was in therapy. And therapy is credited hugely in my recovery and my being able to overcome my childhood, having a safe place to talk and not be judged and different things like that. Um, So when I entered my teenage years, I basically, I would look back on it and say I had a normal teenage life, so to speak, um, with some exceptions here and there. Yes. You know, I, and and that's it. Just gives me an opportunity to plug in therapy since I'm a therapist, because I, I believe that most of the audience that come through and listen to this show, some of them have never been to therapy before, and some even think that it's only for crazy people. So I'm so glad that you pointed out that I wasn't crazy, but I had just gone through a traumatic childhood yeah. that I needed a safe place to talk. I honestly, I my vote is everybody needs a therapist. <laughs> everybody <laughs> needs somebody to talk to that's not going to judge you and that's going to help you work through things. Because even, yes. even if you don't think about it all of the time, even the smallest things to you can mm-hmm. be traumatic, whereas to another person, it's just another day in their life. You're right. You're right. You're right. It, it reminds me, I have a teenager that I worked with, I think now it's about 10, 12 years ago, and she walked in in my office because, you know, it's one of those where the parents wanted her to get therapy, but she didn't want to get therapy. Mm. What's new? That's a teenager, right? Oh, she, yeah. walks in, <laughs> she walks in and she's wearing this T-shirt that says, we all have issues. <laughs> that, that sums it all. That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it just sums it all. Just like you said, we all need to talk to somebody at some point, you know, whether we, you know, we have been traumatized or not. I think we all, we all have issues like that teenager said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, reading your book on page 11, uh, you know, let me just read a little bit of what I read. Uh, on page 11, you talk about blocking memories. Um, and this is what you said. People, in fact, let me see. Carolyn says blocking memories helped Katie carry on with life while enduring sexual and emotional abuse. And you said people would say that I seemed sad. I don't remember being sad. I don't even recall crying except after the sexual abuse, which started long before I knew the name of it. I'm trying to regain the memories, but it's hard to do after blocking 
them out for so long and trying to forget them. We're going to take a quick break. I would like for you to ponder through that page 11 and tell us, do you think it was better for you to tell now after 20 years, or if you had to do it again, would you do it sooner? So we'll talk about that when we come back from break. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready for real change in your life? Deep down inside you is a magnificent being just looking to break free. Tune in to Manifesting Abundance with Deborah Loran and Jim Del Vecchio. Most people need to make some minor adjustments in attitude and behavior to achieve alignment with their inner being. Jim and Deborah will help outline these changes and give you the steps you need to create some major improvements in your life. Listen for Manifesting Abundance Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Today we have a special guest, Katie Bears, who is helping us to bring to light um, sexual abuse and childhood struggles. Before we went on break, I had just asked Katie, if she had to do it again, would she encourage people to talk about this encounter earlier on or wait for as long as she waited or even longer? I definitely think that it's circumstantial as to whether talk about it right away or wait until you're ready to talk about it. I definitely think that after a trauma occurs that it's important to talk about the feelings about it right away, but you might not want to talk about the trauma right away. It might not be helpful. Okay. Hi, okay. Sorry, my son just came in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is a good thing because you're, you're a parent as well. Okay. So you are saying that it's better to talk about the feelings and not to recall the whole incident per se. Possibly. I mean, it, w- it would definitely depend upon your um, age, your mental capacity, your emotional capacity, where you are in your life. Um, it definitely, you'll definitely know, um, I believe, when you're ready to talk about it. 
And, you know, I, I also want to reemphasize, just in case people just joined us, that this is where, as well, if you're in therapy, you can go through with your therapist and determine what you can talk about, what can, especially if it's something that is public, as was your story, that it helps to have somebody there that can help you to say, maybe you're not ready now so that, you know, you can be protected, especially 10 years old, because that's, you know, too young. For me, I had to talk about the trauma and the abuse right away because I was preparing for a trial. And then um, it became whenever I was ready to talk about it. Um, so that was helpful for me, too. I had to talk about certain things right away. And then I can put them away until I was then ready to talk about them. Now... I know in your book you talk about the sexual abuse, you know, from um, your kidnapper. You know, was there any sexual abuse prior to that as well? Prior to you being kidnapped? Um, yes, I was actually sexually abused and raped by my godmother's husband from the time that I was two until before, right before I was abducted. From the time that you were two years old until ten years old. Correct. Okay, and because. I think the thing that bothers a lot of people is these are people that are trusted, that are in the house, that nobody would even suspect of doing such a thing. That is completely accurate. My biological mother trusted my godparent, well, my godmother and her husband to watch me and take care of me and look out for my well-being, and they did completely the opposite. And and it so then it it became difficult to tell her that they are not who you think they are. Um, my circumstance was a little different because I had tried telling my godmother about the abuse. She was okay. the prominent female figure in my life. Yes. Um, she, in more or less words, called me a liar. Um, so then it was hard for me to tell anybody again. Um, I a year or so later, I told my brother. But I was fearful of telling anybody because every adult in my life had been abused by my abuser um, physically in one way or another at one point in time. So he was very abusive to literally everybody in my family, mm. not just me. And, and, that, and, and at that age as well, I'm sure you also felt like if you told then you wouldn't have a place to go to because then that was home for you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, did you have any teachers, anybody at the school that you trusted that maybe you could have told? Um, I attended school so infrequently, which should yeah. have been really another warning sign to officials that there was something going on. Yes. Um, but I was in school maybe once or twice a week, if even that much, <laughs> for a lot of my childhood. Wow. So yeah. I think for the parents that are listening out there, the key that I would like to point out is, as you had Katie saying, I miss school so many times. And because what happens is when, you know, students miss school, whether it's, you know, children are 10 years old or younger, when they miss school, most parents, you know, they're quick to jump at, why, why did you miss school? And how come you didn't go to school? But hearing your story today, I hope that's going to help parents to be more open or even teachers that are listening to be more open and cognizant that there could be something else that is deeper that is going on with that student more than, you know, they can talk about. 
Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, the other thing is to emphasize that if I'm yet to to convince parents to say by the time that, because what happens is for teenagers most of the time, not that it was in your instance, by the time they come to tell a parent, it's always under that circumstance that the, the parent is angry about them having done something. Then you come out and say, well, that's why your husband is touching me anyway. And at that point, they don't want to listen to it, you know, because then they think, well, it's just being spiteful and out of anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And I mean, if you if you don't think that, I mean, if you don't think that your parent is going to listen to you, yes. talk to a teacher, talk to a coach, talk to if you're in church, talk to a pastor, anybody. Thank you. I Thank mean, you. do not stop telling people until somebody listens to you. Thank you. And and for a parent, if they're parents, godparents, foster parents that are listening in, when somebody else comes in and says, your child told me this, it's also, you know, something that they need to be aware of, not to be upset because somebody else is coming to tell them. It's because it's difficult for children to convince you, the parent, that this is going on with me, or maybe they have tried, or they can see how you react to everything else. So they just shut down and say, well, I guess I can't tell her that because then she's just going to, you know, flip out on me or get mad at me. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's better that, you know, they open up. You see, the book, right, it includes the contents of captivity tapes that your abductor was taping and recording something when you were in the bunker that he held you. Have you listened to the tapes? Absolutely not. Um, Very few people have listened to them. My... um, Therapist listened to them, some detectives listened to them, and then Carolyn, my co-author, had listened to them, too. Um, I do not want to hear them. I would prefer if they were destroyed at some point in the very near future. I don't think that anybody should ever have to listen to the horror that I went through. I mean, they were voice-activated recordings Mm. from the time that I was in captivity, and I don't know how long they went on. It could have been day eight or day 17, um, yes. but since they were voice activated, there are no, um, there are no breaks. So there's not like 24 hours per tape or anything like that. <sighs> and you decided that the book is called Buried Memories. Yeah. Why did you decide on that title? Um, because that's exactly, I mean, that, describes my life completely. Um, from childhood going through therapy, I had to redig these bar- these buried memories up so I can work through the um, emotional aspects of them. And then I had to bury them again to deal with my teenage years. When I was a child going through the abuse, I basically had to forget about the abuse that I that was going on in order for me to go on living my normal daily life. And then as part of my recovery and overcoming the abuse, I reburied them again when, mm. um, like as a teenager. And then writing the book, I had to delve them back up and um, work through that again. And now I think I'm kind of, besides talking about it, um, I think I'm done, like, re-digging them up and burying them. Um, it's it's very easy for me to talk about because yes. I've also, 
I've distanced myself from the abuse, and that was another coping mechanism and another aspect of my recovery. Mm. And, you know, th- that bravery that you have finally done, do you feel brave? Because I, I know that's a term that we use to say, well, you know, it's very brave of you to come out and say this. Do you feel brave? Um, no, I, I'm a very modest person. Um, yeah. When people, like on my Facebook page, are telling me how brave I am and how wonderful my story is, mm-hmm. um, I just, I, I, I don't, I know it, but I don't, like, internalize it. I don't really, like, feel that way because yes. I'm just, I'm literally going on living my normal everyday life, yes. um, full-time working mother, and I'm doing this, like, in my spare time to help people. Spare time. This is a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you're saying this is spare time. It sounds like it's taking, you know, probably the whole of your time. Because I'm seeing, you, <laughs> I'm seeing you everywhere. <laughs> well, I did take, like, a week and a half off of work at first. Um, but, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, anxious and excited to yes. help not only trauma and abuse victims, yes. but I'm also excited about helping um, like children protective type services, yes. therapists, teachers, anybody that wants to read my story, whether you're a, an abuse victim, a trauma victim, a bullying victim, and see that regardless of what happens, in your life with the right support system, with the right counseling, um, and with the right mentality, yes, you can work on overcoming everything. But the key is if you're not going to be able to overcome it and recover until you have that right mentality. I like that. I like the way that you say that, the right mentality. And that right mentality means you have to believe in the truth yourself because then some most of the time I think what the abusers do, they tell you that nobody's going to believe you if you say it. But today I think with your story, it's saying you have to believe that it is the truth. And if you stand with that truth and have the right mentality, as Katie is saying, then somebody out there, somebody will listen to that story. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody would listen to that and, and, and give you the help that you need. Because I think, you know, one thing that we're trying to do as well is, it, like today, you are a parent today. Most people will grow up to be parents one way or the other. And those memories, if they're not talked about, if they're not dealt with, they will come back and haunt you as a parent. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, making it, you know, making it difficult to deal with, you know, the children because then I think part of it is you either become too protective of your children because then you you don't know who to trust, or mm-hmm. you know you don't know you're afraid yourself and it brings back those you know buried memories up to surface because now you have children that are at the same age that you know something happened to you and it becomes more difficult to cope with. So that's why I think you know for us we see you as brave because then you're coming out and saying it's okay for you to talk about it it's okay for you to seek help and someone out there will understand and hear your story and believe you well thank you yeah you know when when you were kidnapped right did you try to escape at all i know you were only 10 years old um i physically tried escaping and that basically backfired on me 
Um, and then I tried escaping by manipulating my abductor, um, John Esposito. I tried getting him to think about my future and his future, um, asking him, like, what I would do for school, what I would do for work, um, what about kids and a family and a husband. And his response is, I was trying to get him to, I guess, think long-term. Mm-hmm. And his responses were always, well, you won't have to work. I'll have money for you. I'll teach you uh, what you need to know. And then he would tell me, I'll be your husband and I'll have kids with you. Um, and then the day before he released me, I actually told him that I wasn't feeling well. So I think it was a combination between all of those things, um, how I was trying to escape. Oh, boy. And you were underground, right? Yes. I, I don't know exactly how far underground okay. the bunker was, but it was underground underneath a carport. Uh, you know, um, Carol, your um, co-author, the journalist, she says, because um, I remember reading on page 10 where she t- she talked about how you were talking to her when she was interviewing you, and mm-hmm. she says, you know, you would always speak to her as if you were rewinding a tape. Like you were scanning for notes and codes. How did you get to remember some of the stuff that, you know, you were telling her? Um, when we were, when we started our, basically our interviews for the book, before I even met with Carolyn, before I knew she was the one that I was going to collaborate with yes. on Buried Memories, yes. um, I started writing down memories that I would have. Like, I... I have memories still every now and again um, about things that happened to me either in my childhood or while I was abducted. And as quickly as I have them, I forget them. So I would have to write them down right away. Um, <laughs> and then the more I talked about it, the more we did our so-called interviews, the more memories I would have. The more I talked about it, the more they would spur additional memories. I want to expand a little bit about that in a second. We're going to go on break and we'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time for Chalk Talk on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in every week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further with host Desiree Watson. Our program empowers you to incorporate a wellness lifestyle into your life. Supported by a diverse selection of guests, including physicians, athletes, and education and government professionals. While helping you realize the connection between mind, body, and spirit, you'll achieve a personal edge in injury avoidance, stress management, 
and personal development. The Wellness Lounge, a step further, airs Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are talking to Katie Bears today in our segment and before we went on break I think you had talked about writing your memories down which is something that I really truly believe in and emphasize that is using your journals and writing down your memories and events that happen on a day-to-day basis yes I definitely I agree with that especially in my case where I would willingly forget about what had happened to me it was very helpful to bring everything back up to surface. I, I mean, I had notepads everywhere next to my bed, um, in the kitchen, living room. And then if I didn't have a notepad, I would write it down on a napkin so I wouldn't forget it. Because like I said, as quickly as I remembered them, they were basically forgotten. And that was my coping mechanism. You're right. You know, that reminds me, <clears throat> I'm, I'm originally from Zimbabwe, and my mother used to tell me that um, the way that uh, she used to cope with everything that happened to her when she was a child, is there was a tree uh, at her village where she would go to the tree and talk to the tree because mm-hmm. she was afraid that people might talk. And to me, that, you know, thinking about what we're talking about, the journal, it sounds like, you know, what you want the journal to do, you know it's not going to tell anyone. You know it's not going to, you know, reveal your secret at that at that point because you're just telling it to the book. Most certainly. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's a great way to start before you, you know, start talking to somebody else if you're in that position where you think, well, you know what, I don't know who I can trust yet. Writing it down and having a journal will also help you to come to a point, or who do I trust, who do I trust, because eventually it needs to get from that journal to someone that can get you the help that you need, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I'm a strong believer. Now, in my case, in my instance, the um, first therapist that I had was more geared toward children, and yes. I didn't have kid problems, so I actually ended up seeing a second therapist. I think a lot of people that seek therapy and counseling, they'll go to one therapist, it won't work for them, so then they'll give up. Yeah, and right. I definitely think that you need to search and seek until you find somebody that's compatible with you. I, I like that, and thank you for bringing that up because there is a connection that happens. You know when you're talking to someone and you get in their office that there's a certain connection that allows you to be able to talk to them and tell them everything because you're talking about something that is in the deepest part of your heart, so you have to be comfortable. Exactly. 
Yeah, so I, I, I like that. And, you know, I have listeners that are listening in in Africa, in other parts of the world where they're looking at themselves and going, what counseling are you talking about and what therapists are you talking about? Because they're in places where they don't have therapists, they don't have, you know, counseling offices. To them, I think I'll go back to what you said earlier on. Talk to someone in your church. Talk to, mm-hmm. talk to someone in the village that you trust because, you know, I know there are wise women that are there that will be able to sit down with you and talk with you if you need to share something as big as that rather than carrying it on. Those are the counselors. They might not be labeled and certified as counselors, but those are the people that are adults that you can talk to because it's about finding that adult that will help you to come to terms and find ways to cope and carry on with life and, and also stop what's going on. They can help you to get away from that situation to go somewhere else because ultimately I don't want people to stay in, you know, abusive relationships. I mean, where they are being abused as children or the children are being abused and saying, well, as long as I'm talking to someone, at least I can cope. Yeah. 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 That is exactly correct. Yeah. What was your childhood like after you were rescued? Because uh, you're just 10, 10 years old. Um, after I was rescued, I was moved right into a foster home, and of course I would, had apprehensiveness about that. I didn't want to go to a foster home. I wanted to go back to my biological mother, um, but after I worked through my problems of having an unloving childhood, I my foster home was phenomenal. My foster parents were great. I mean, I think part of my apprehension, too, was you used to see these movies where the foster parents were horrible. Yes. Um, but really, nothing could have been more horrible than the childhood that I had had. And my foster parents, they were great. Um, they brought me into a loving home. There was stability. There were two parents who adored and loved each other. I had siblings. Um, all of the housework wasn't put on me how it was when I was living with my godmother. We all had our weekly chores that we had to do. Yes. But it was it was what a childhood should be. So you bring out something about mixed emotions, which a lot of uh, teenagers and um, children that are taken away from their homes get to feel when they are being taken away from an environment where they are being abused or it's not safe for them to be in and they're put in a foster home. I'm glad that you bring out that, you know what, it's not always as bad as it is shown in the movies and, you know, what people talk about foster homes being bad, right? That is so true. That is so true. So is it possible for one to get into one foster home and say, well, I really don't like it here and I'm not getting on just like we do with the therapists for them to change the home? Can they do that? Um, do you know? You know, I don't know. I think that that would be um, definitely based upon each individual county's um, or state's um, services. If If it's not a good home, then they shouldn't be foster parents. I definitely strongly feel that way. Um, But, yeah, I definitely think that if you're unhappy in the home for any reason, other than they're making me do chores and silly things like that, (laughs) I I definitely think you need to tell your caseworker um, (laughs) why you're not happy there. 
You're right. I was just about to say, you know, not only because you're being told to do something or they're being, you know, tough, because then what they do is they put structure in that room. And most people with structure, it's like, oh, they're being mean. And yet all they're trying to do is to make sure that things are done accordingly. And, you know, people, children just don't do what they want in their house, right? Yeah. I mean, I could have said probably hundreds of times that my foster parents were being mean because I was being punished for lying to them or I wasn't doing my chores or something like that. So, of course, I could have turned around and said, oh, they're being mean. Um, I don't want to live here anymore. But they were giving me the structure and stability that I needed. And, you know, talking about structure and stability, what I like about what your foster parents did and what most parents and foster parents would do to, when you put structure in the house and say, okay, you do chores, you do the dishes after every meal, that's your chore for, you know, for this week. And if a child doesn't do that and comes up with an excuse or lies and then, you know, you get punished for that, I think mm-hmm. for most parents, you know, it's better and it's best if you don't divert and try to explain why you're being punished because it's already there. You don't do it, this is the punishment. Yeah. Rather than complaining. Yes, that is completely accurate, yes. You know, your book also, it uses repeated images of scars that, you know, you endured during the time that you were abducted. What mm-hmm. scars do you bear today? Oh, I have physical scars and emotional and mental scars. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my godmother put a cigarette out on my arm um, oh, for absolutely no reason. I just remember literally standing there, I think, holding her hand. And she just looked down at me and put her um, put her cigarette out on my arm. Um, I also have another physical scar on my left cheek. I have a hole in my face where somebody, my godmother thought it was a wart. My biological mother thought that it was a pimple. And they ended up popping it and creating a literal hole in my face. And then the emotional scars that I have and the mental scars that I have are just thinking about the childhood, thinking about the childhood prior to the abduction that I really didn't have. I didn't have stability. I didn't Mm. have the emotional support that I needed. Yes. There are so many things that I was lacking that now today I deal with on a daily basis. I mean, I remember my biological mother complaining about finances. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily complaining about finances to me, but complaining about finances in front of me. So I have those emotional scars there that I'm dealing with, like, oh, my gosh, are my finances good enough, mine and my husband's now, to care for our our kids, even though I know that they are, that's still just a daily um, scar that I'm dealing with. Um, I also deal with, um, I have two children, I have a a three-and-a-half-year-old son, Yes. who is a typical three-year-old little boy, um, yeah. and then I have an 18-month-old little girl, mm. and I battle daily with how much discipline is enough because yes. um, when when I was four years old, I was literally doing my godmother and her husband's laundry. Mm-hmm. Not, even at, not even at our house. I was walking a block to the laundromat to do oh, the wow. laundry, and then I look at my son, yeah. and, I mean, he's not even allowed in the driveway by himself. How could anybody ask a four-year-old to go 
walk down a major road to go do your laundry. Yes, um, yes. And then there are trust issues also between uh, people that I allow near my kids or people yeah. that I allow to watch my kids mm-hmm. and just thing, things like that. Most of them deal with my family and mostly, mostly my children. Yes, yes. You know, I also noticed that you actually, after, you know, the abduction, you became the first member of your biological family to graduate in college and yeah. now married with children. So congratulations on that big achievement. Thank you. We're going to go back on another break and we'll come back for our last segment with Katie Bears, who is helping us today to open up our hearts, our minds and start talking about the difficult, difficult talk about sexual abuse, childhood struggles. We'll be right back. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. If you are having difficulty balancing everything in your life, be sure to tune in to Change is Personal with Kim Fuller. Each week, we'll help you do your own self-assessment to handling relationships, family, life challenges, health, and personal goals. Kim and her guests share from experiences and offer advice and resources to keep your life on track. Change is Personal with Kim Fuller can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and start having a fuller life. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back on our final segment of talking about this Session, you know, as, as we talked, Katie, it becomes even easier and easier to talk about it, you know, because when I said it was a difficult topic, it, it becomes difficult for me to ask the questions as well. But talking to you today, as we went through the different segments, I want to thank you because then I felt comfortable asking about anything that the listeners out there might want to know, might want to ask. So I thank you for being open to answering those questions. Not a problem. I literally, especially in the past month and a half, I am an open book with everything. <laughs> and I, I heard you saying that because we did the pre-interview and you said, you know, I said, well, is there anything that we can talk about? And you said, nope, I'm pretty much an open book. 
<laughs> and I thought after after asking that, I thought, you know what, after you say uh, something as deep as sexual and emotional and physical abuse like this year, what else could be, you know, out of bounds for people to talk about? Because this is the deepest that people hide. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know you had some points that you wanted people to come away from this interview as well as from reading your book, which is going to be very extensive when people start to read it. It's very extensive. It tells your story in detail, but mostly your recovery in detail. What are some of those things that you would like for people to take away? I would like people to take away from Barry Memories um, the fact that with the right mindset and mentality, that regardless of what had happened to you, whatever trauma you endured, whether it be abuse, bullying, um, I mean, a car accident, it could be something as small as an auto accident that will um, traumatize you. Yes. That with the right mentality, with the right support system, family, friends, counseling, that you can overcome the trauma and you can get back to a so-called normal life. I, in no way am I saying that the trauma and or abuse will not affect you, but I'm saying that you do not have to let it define who you are for the rest of your life. Wow. I like, I like what your book says as well. It says the soul is resilient. Yes. Very much so. And I think what we are afraid of mostly is what people would say and how people would react and the way that you were received and how the community surrounded you with all that love and care and embraced you with everything that, you know, you had gone through, I think is a lesson, a key lesson to everybody that wants to tell their story. Yes, I definitely think that trauma, abuse, neglect, bullying, it's going to affect you. You're going to react um, to it. Um, it might be emotionally. It might be aggressively. And it's easier for your loved ones, family, friends, um, teachers to understand why you're reacting the way that you are if they know what's going on. If you hold it up, they're going to be questioning every day, what's going on, and they'll have a better understanding of it, and so will you if you're able to talk about it. You're right, and I'm sure Katie would agree with me when I want to say to the parents that are listening out there, please don't smother the children, you know, the teenagers, the children with, honey, are you okay? Is there something that's happening to you? Did somebody do something to you? Because that annoys them some, you know, most of the time because then they'll be, the parents become too overconcerned. It'll shut the kid down too, the teenager <laughs> down. And it just shuts them down because now you're too protective and now you're afraid. So I don't want this show to be, you know, opening up wounds and going, oh, my God, I wonder if my teenager has gone through this. I wonder if somebody was touching her. And then, you know, you start problems with your partner or your husband, your spouse, and say, did you touch my child? Did you do anything with him or her? Because that's not what Katie is saying today. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. There will be signs that the parents might see. Do you have any signs that, you know, or ways that they can start this conversation without pushing too hard? Um, I mean, any 
Any real changes in behavior? Um, I mean, if you have a normally happy child and they suddenly change to withdrawn or sad or angry and there's nothing that you can see that it happened, um, I mean, like the loss of a beloved animal or something like that, if something like that didn't happen and they just suddenly change how they act and react, there could be something going on at school, at home, wherever. I mean, it could be bullying at school. And, of course, they don't want to, they're not going to want to talk to a parent who's overreacting and and saying, I'm going to talk to their parent right away because then kids think that'll make it worse. Yes, yes. Um, But definitely any outward signs, any um, aggression, any changes in mood, things like that are definitely, I think, signs. And I think the other thing, too, is, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you have small children. If parents start to to talk to their children at this young age, at a young age, and have them, you know, trust them and believe in them, it's easier for them at any age if something happens to come and talk to you. But if you're one of those parents that, you know, you don't sit down with your kid, you don't talk about anything, and then something happens to them, you expect them to come and tell you, they're not going to trust you. Even if you're mom or dad, they're not going to trust you. That is completely accurate. My uh, My biological mother would tell me all of the time, yeah. Well, I shouldn't all, not all of the time, but whenever I would see her, you know, you could tell me if anything's happening, but I would see her maybe once a month or once every other week. And so I couldn't, it's not that I didn't love her, but it's, I, can I trust you? I don't even see you very much. Um, exactly. So you definitely, you don't want to smother the kids with those types of statements, but as long as they know that you trust them, you trust their judgment, you trust what going to say, they'll come to you. They'll let you know what's going on. If you judge what they're, if you judge everything that they're doing and overreact Mm -hmm. to what they're doing, they're going to shut down and they're not going to come to you with things that you want them to. You're right. I also like the the fact that, you know, earlier on, before we went on break, you talked about um, your parents having talked about their finances and you overheard it. They were not talking to you, but you overheard it. Yeah. I think that's something that we really need to emphasize because being in this country, we're in the USA, and I know there are people that are listening from other countries as well. But in this time, a lot of people have finance struggles, relationship Mm -hmm. struggles that they're going through. If you have children, if you have teenagers in your home, they are listening, they can see you, they hear you. So it's important that you do not talk about those things in front of them, around them, where they can hear you because it does bother them, as Katie said earlier on, right? Yes. Yes, it definitely will. Now, just as a segue, because we are getting down to closing the show, any one point, two points that you want to give to the parent? Anything for the children that are listening in that you might want to say to them? Parents, trust your kids, whatever they say. I mean, they're not going to actively make something up regardless of whether it be bullying, abuse, what it's going to be. They're not going to make something up. Keep an eye out for the warning signs, but of course don't hover your kid. If they're having a bad day, they're having a bad day. If it's going on for an extended period of time, then maybe that's something to get a little concerned about. Kids, teenagers, trust your parents. They love you. They're there for you. If you don't feel comfortable telling your parents about things, 
school counselor, teacher, beloved teacher, um, if you're religious, your pastor, things like that, and parents, when one of those trusted people come to you about the items, don't get upset that the child wasn't able to come to you. It could be they were trying to protect you from the abuser or abusers. Great. We got to close down. Katie, I want to thank you so much for gracing us with your presence on this show. All of you that are listening in today, that was Katie Bears, our guest today, the author of Buried Memories, a New York bestseller. You can get that on Amazon.com is where one of the places that I saw them. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.